Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church Podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Pastor Elijah Hollis. Today, I want to talk to us about relationships. I want to talk to us about friendships. This is something I am incredibly passionate about. I recognize if I've met you for a hot second, I am a little bit much. I can totally embrace that. I can totally, I like, you know, don't want to try to hide who I am. I am a little bit much. I love people. I can't tell you. I don't know if it's because I'm an extrovert, like very high extrovert. Like if I go one day without people, I'm like, does anyone want to FaceTime me? Does anyone want to hang out? Like, man, I'm telling you when Leticia moved into our house, I was like, yes, somebody to hang out with when Elijah's gone. This is like so much fun. And so I am a total extrovert. I'm also from Kansas City. So total high. Hospitality, Midwest hospitality. I am used to calling my mom and being like, Mom, we have 45 people coming over after the basketball game. And she has hot chocolate chip cookies and she has dinner ready and they have all the sodas and everything out of the pool. And, and I'm just used to that kind of hospitality. So that might be where it comes from. I can't, I don't really know. It's just who I am. And so I've embraced it. But one thing I have learned is as much as I value people, as much as I value friendships, God has been teaching me so much about the importance of godly friendships, not just being surrounded with people, because how many of you know that you can be surrounded by hundreds of people on the daily and still feel alone? You can have friends in your circle and still wonder, where am I going? What's happening next? Who do I call to celebrate? I have people to go out with at night. I have friends who call me and complain. Come on, somebody. I have all this different stuff. But who am I growing with? Iron sharpens iron. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. I want to kind of reset the way we look at friendship, okay? I don't want to talk to you about how many friends you have to have. I don't want to talk to you about this or that. I just really want to dive into what God says. Because it's very fascinating to me, as I've studied friendship, the culture of our church is to create a space at the table, to bring people in. You know, if you don't know the full history of, of change, and if you um, are new, and if you choose to go to Belong, we're going to have Belong in a few weeks in November. If you choose to go to Belong, you're going to learn a little bit more about Change Church. But let me just let you in a moment into this story. While Elijah and I were youth pastors, for 10 years outside of the city, and we love the next generation. My goodness, that is why we have takeover happening this Thursday. It's so fun. Youth ministry. We have a uh, children's costume party next Sunday for um, Halloween. It is going to be so fun. We've got all the things, but that's why we value the next generation. We stepped right into ministry in the next generation, and then we were a little ways in And we got a call, and I will never forget it, and it still brings me to tears. I was just talking to Devin this week when we were at coffee. It still brings me to tears. But we got a call, and one of our students had taken her life, and she was 14 years old. And it was this moment where we were like, what? She seemed like she had everything going. She was always bringing friends. Her family was filling the SUV to bring people, and she was always there, and she was loving it, and she was involved in everything. And it's just like, you know, your your heart just stops. It's one of those moments where you're like, is this real? Like, this is what happens in the movies. This, this doesn't happen in real life, does it? And so we're sitting there 
And I remember Elijah being asked to go do the memorial at um, Oxford High School. And when he went and stood there and was really talking to people and the, and the things that she had said in the note was that she didn't feel like she had purpose and she didn't feel like she had friends. She didn't have community and she felt alone. And Elijah and I stood there and he just sobbed, right? Sobbed at this funeral, at the, in the memorial with the students and talking to them and everything. And we stood there and Elijah said, if it's the last thing I do, I will give my life to make sure that people have community and find purpose. And it, it really was one of those pivotal moments in our lives that changed the trajectory of our why. Has anyone ever had those moments where something changes the trajectory of your why? I know I love talking to Doc about what he's doing with the next generation and the students. The moment of when he lost his brother was a changing of his trajectory because it's caused him to love deeper. It's caused him to see different. It's these moments in life that change our trajectory. And I hope that today is one of those moments that shifts our trajectory, that it changes the lens through which we look at friendship, right? That it's something that creates this community. I pray that you don't walk into this church and walk out. I pray that you don't just sit online and view and not comment. My goodness, Heather and the team do all of this every week so that you can dive in through online community. We have brunch, we have these moments, we have greeters, so that every person in the room can step in and be connected, not just walk in and feel alone in a swirling room, but to walk in and say, I belong. I can come in here. I can come in here exactly as I am. I pray every week leading up to Sunday that every friend that comes into this space, whether it's somebody who's been here since the beginning of time or somebody who steps in their very first time, my prayer every week is, God, would you allow them to feel accepted? that nothing of the past matters. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It does not matter where you came from. It doesn't matter that you've been in church and you left the church. It doesn't matter that you never stepped foot into the church. You are loved. You're chosen. You're accepted. And I believe that's the friendship that God demonstrates to us. And that's what he wants to demonstrate through us. Amen. And so I want to, I want to dive in to today. I want to dive into friendship. Um, I, Let me just start. Whether you come in here and you are an extrovert and you are like so excited about this. Maybe you're like, OMG, friendship is my thing. I'm so excited. Maybe you're an extrovert and you're like, ooh, not quite sure about this. Maybe I'll stick with where I am. There are a lot of people laughing. That is totally okay. I am not trying to change anyone in the way you believe or who you are. But I am trying to change the lens through which we look at friendship. And so I began to study friendship, and I, I love to look up scientific studies. I am like a borderline nerd with that, and I totally own it. And so I was starting to look up some different things about friendships, and you may have heard this before, but let me just remind us. Um, I found a study about neuroscience behind friendships, and these are some of the benefits of quality friendships in your life. Okay, scientific. Before we dive into the Bible, because I'm about to get there, because that's what leads our entire life. But before we get there, let me set the preface for you. Did you know friendships, deep friendships, can increase your life expectancy a 50% increased likelihood for survival of participants with strong social relationships? Did you also know friends help create a feeling of purpose as you have a responsibility towards a person or a group of people? 
It also says that friendships release the feel-good chemicals in the brain, the oxytocin, is that how you say that? Um, Present in the brains and contributes to those social structures. Friendships release that. I'm pretty sure that's also what exercise releases. So if you don't go to the gym, go coffee with a friend. That is so perfect. I am here for that. I actually highlighted that bullet point. So yes. So as humans, we're created for relationship. We are created to be social. We're created for deep connection. Another study I started to read, and this was very fascinating to me. These same people, um, the guy's name was Dunbar who did this study. But he began to do the study of how many relationships can we actually have? Have you ever wondered that? Like, oh my word, I feel like I only have so much time, so I can't be close to everybody. So like, who do I make time for? Or what do I do? Or well, I have one friend, so like, I'm good. This was very fascinating to me. He actually layered the amount of friends and how we as humans naturally invite friends into our social circle, okay? So this is very fascinating. Actually, the study, and if you research it a little bit more, what he did is he looked at the size of your brain based on the amount of brain power it takes for a social interaction and looked at the different ways we connect with people, okay? So he says, this is very fascinating. If you don't agree, take it up with him. It's his study. He said, we have five people that are in the closest layer, of our friendship. Those are the five people that we go to with everything. You text when something awesome happens. You call when you're like, can you even fathom? You're like, let's go do this. I have time. Let's just, I don't know, do whatever. Five people in that inner circle. The next layer contains 15 good friends, friends that you would be sure to let know about things, but maybe they're not your first call. The next layer, they say we have 50. These are 50 friends, like people like I'm going to throw a birthday party with a lot of people, so I'm going to invite these friends, okay? So maybe you don't make all the calls. Maybe they don't speak into your life, but they're friends. You're connected, okay? The other one we have is 150 meaningful contacts. We have 500 acquaintances and 1,500 people you recognize. Now, the reason I say all of this, I thought it was very fascinating Because I think, and as I was beginning to study this and beginning to study the science behind relationships and behind friendships, what's fascinating is we talk about social media so much. And I think social media gets a very negative um, statement. We talk all the time about, you know, social media does break down things and stuff like that. But I also think it's very fascinating how social media allows us to stay connected to people. Social media allows us to continue to expand those circles of relationships. And so I think it's the way we look at social media, but I want to offer to you today these different groups of people. Maybe you're sitting here in your mind and you're thinking, yeah, oh my word, my first five, I know exactly who it is. One, two, three, four, five. I could text them right now and be like, watch this. And then maybe there's some people that you're like, yeah, I mean, like we're connected. If I saw them walking down the street, I would say hi. I would make small talk, but maybe I'm not going to be super connected, right? Were you guys all placing people in your mind? You're like, yeah, okay, see, we all do it. So I want to talk to us about what godly friendship looks like. 
Because I think that it's critical we look at who those five friends are in our inner circle. Look at Jesus with the disciples. He had friends that were in his inner circle. He was teaching and empowering them to go out. They're also speaking with him and doing ministry with him. It's this inner circle. And so I want to take us to, if you'll open your Bibles, maybe you have your phones, John 15, 12 through 13. If you've ever heard a message on friendship, you've probably heard this scripture, but I want to offer a different light on this scripture. John 15, 12 through 13 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then I want to fast forward a little bit further to 1 John, not to be confused with John. John is um, our book of the Bible. 1 John is a later book of the Bible that was written as an epistle to a church. It's kind of like a sermon, okay? So 1 John, he's talking to the church saying, hey, let me correct you in some things. Let me tell you some things, okay? So fast forward to 1 John 3, 16 through 18. And it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Here's what I want to pose to us today. I've heard this scripture multiple times. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And maybe you've heard that before. And maybe you've heard, okay, are you willing to die for your friends? What would you do in that moment of crisis for your friends? And I think that, yes, we take it further. And yes, are you willing to put your life down for your friends? Do you love somebody that much? But sometimes we stop there. Sometimes we say, yes. I love Lachesia so much. If posed in that situation, I would lay my life. I would jump in front of a truck. I would do something. I love her this much. But what about the day today? What is God actually calling us to do in this scripture? You know, the words lay down is not simply laying down his life. Because if you remember, Jesus already conquered death. Jesus already conquered that when he raised Lazarus from the dead, when he raised from the dead. Death was not something that God was saying, and you have to love them to death and stop there. God is saying, how much do you love? What are you willing to lay down on the regular for your friends in your life? Yes, Jesus demonstrated the greatest love for us, but it's not stopping there. It's a daily decision for us as friends. You know, what's fascinating is actually if you look back in John, and I read to you out of John 15, but if you want to jot this down, flash into John 13. John 13, Jesus actually starts his entire teaching by washing his disciples' feet. This entire teaching about friendship and loving Jesus and the greatest love you can have for your friends begins with one simple act of washing his disciples' feet. And I would ask you then, what love is Jesus asking us to replicate? What, Jesus, what love does he want us to show to our friends? And at the same time, what love do you deserve to be shown? It's... um. 
I want to I move down into this. Hold on two seconds. Let me scroll down. Because in my, in my studies and as I was really researching this in the scientific studies and I was reading through the scriptures of this friendship and laying something down, loving somebody out of a humble love. As I was praying, selfless love, a love that is unconditional. You see, in our society, that is very hard for us to grasp. A love that is unconditional. A love that somebody loves you no matter what. You know, I would venture to say that's actually why a lot of people hesitate to step into the church because they feel like they can't be loved. I've done too much. I've gone too far. I've made too many mistakes that if I step in, I can't experience that love because our mind can't comprehend an unconditional love. So then we live out of fear, right? We live out of like, oh my goodness, I don't want to do wrong because I want Elsa to stay my friend. And so if I do something wrong, she's going to get mad at me and then we're going to lose this. So like, I just won't tell her what I've done because we have this conditional friendship. But God calls us to demonstrate unconditional love, a love that serves, a love that's humble. You know, in the studies, it was actually very fascinating especially coming out of this pandemic year. Anyone else like not love being by yourself all the time at home? Was that hard for anybody? Yes. Some of you are like, I actually loved it. I got through 19 novels. It was great. I started five new hobbies. It was perfect. And then some of you were on the other side of all of my FaceTime calls. And I was like, not sure what to do with myself. I was missing people. I was like, I need friends. I miss like human interaction. Anyone else? I just miss that. Yes. And so anyway, so flash forward to what are we, 18 months, like post-March, whenever that hit. We're about 18 months, 16 months forward. And do you know there are actually studies out that we are right now in what they are calling a friendship crisis. A friendship crisis in the means that we as humans right now are craving friendship more than we ever have, but we don't know how to have a friendship like we used to know. And so we're in this pivotal moment. I mean, research it. It's actually crazy. And then when you take science and then you go back to the Bible, you're like, this is why God called us to not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. This is why the scriptures say iron sharpens iron as one sharpens another. It is scriptural. We need each other. We need friendship. And so what do we do? How do we get out maybe of this friendship crisis. And if you came in here today and you're like, okay, this is great. I'm open to new friendships, but at the same time, I've been a little burned. At the same time, I'm not sure. At the same time, I've been hurt. Can I tell you, I've been there. I have friends that have been my dearest friends. Actually, I have a friend in Kansas City. Her name's Carrie. She's like, um, I don't know, she's older than me a little bit, but she like, our families were so close. Like she at the hospital when I was born. And we are still friends. And when I went home in August, I still get together with her and her family. Like deep friendship founded on the love of God. But I have other friends that have hurt me. I have other people that probably I've unintentionally hurt. I have friendships that have lasted for a season. I have friendships that have transcended a whole lot of seasons, right? And so I want you to hear that because I want you to know I've been there. I've sat there and thought, 
you know what? I've been so hurt. I don't know if I can trust. Told someone something and they didn't celebrate with me or they really weren't there for me when I thought they were going to be there for me. And so I don't know. Is it worth telling you what I think I'm going to tell you? Because what if I open myself up again? And so what we do as humans is we begin to put our layers upon layers upon layers. And then we find ourselves in these moments where, yes, I will go out to a party with you. Yes, I will have 50 people over and have a birthday party. Yes, I will go celebrate in a stadium with tens of thousands of people. But because I'm surrounded by layers upon layers upon layers, I will never get close. And then what happens is we just keep going and we try church after church. We try friendship after friendship. We try conversation after conversation. But because we are looking at it through a filter, through tinted lenses, then all of a sudden I can't get close to you and you can't get close to me. And I can't love you like I'm supposed to love you. And I can't talk to you about what I'm called to talk to you about. And so therefore, we find our society in a friendship crisis. And so I want to talk to us today about how do we get out? So like, awesome, we're, no, we're here. So that's okay. Now, how do we get out of it? What's next? Because I would pose to you as I was studying and praying through this, You know, the thought of friendship is not as much about you as it is about me. And if I will do some internal work in my life, then I will bank money on the fact that it will shift my friendships if I will do something in myself. What is that scripture where we look at the log in someone else's eye or the speck in someone else's eye where we don't look at the log in our own eye? I think that that is what we have to watch that we don't fall into is that it's not Nancy's fault that we're not friends. Am I preparing myself to love her as Christ loved the church with a humble, forgiveness, selfless, sacrificial love? And if I want to love like that, then friends, we have to experience that. Because I can't tell you how to get somewhere I've never been. I mean, I'm so bad with directions, I probably still can't tell you how to get somewhere. But that's all right. It's, we have GPSs. But bottom of, the, bottom of the story is, if I want to love you like that, I have to experience that. And if I'm going to love you like that on the daily, then I have to experience that on the daily. And, you know, sometimes I get a lot of questions about this. You guys know um, we have a creative agency, and so we have the privilege to work with incredible clients, incredible people that we tell their stories. Honestly, some of those clients have become our dearest friends, and I count that such a blessing. But, you know, there's a lot of times that it's like, okay, this is a little bit too positive for me, Ash. Okay, you are a little bit much for me, Ash. And I, and I get that, and I laugh about it. But you know what's funny is I actually have people sometimes who are like, I mean, I'm sure you don't have those issues because, like, you're just positive all the time. I'm sure that you don't really have to deal with that because, and you know, it really caused me to think, actually, somebody said that to me a couple weeks ago, two to three weeks ago. Well, Ash, you probably don't have to deal with that in your family because, and I thought, it's not that my family deals with different things than other people. I feel like we've been through a lot of issues, health, financial, family, you name it. We've gone through it. 
the difference is I choose daily to encounter the love of God. And if I choose to encounter the love of God, then I can love out of it. So even if I've had a day where I've been working till 3 a.m., even if I've sat on Zoom calls all day where maybe they haven't been the most uplifting conversations, I can still give out of a love that I experienced because I experienced it in the morning. And so I want to talk to us a little bit as I was praying through this, God, how do we navigate out of this crisis? How do we move forward? What is next? And I also want to talk to us about this because as I really prayed about it, I've lost touch with a lot of friends during this time. I've lost touch with friends because if you remember to March 2020, life spiraled quick. I mean, all of a sudden, like we were doing a business and a church and homeschool from our house. And there's a reason I put my kids in school because I didn't know how to homeschool. So I felt like I was just consistently sending Miss Kirby coffee gift cards to be like, thank you for being a teacher. You are so valued. You are so deserving. You are so loved. And we hit ourselves in this moment and it just spiraled quickly. And so we're putting out fires. And if we're not intentional, we can stay in that moment where we're putting out fires every week and we're not choosing to prioritize. And so I want to talk to us today. And so if you want to write these down, God gave me four. I'm not saying four is the the magic number. I'm sure you're going to find more. And I hope you take this. I hope it's a Monday morning message. I hope you take it and pray through it so that God speaks more directly to you. But there are four things that I believe God wants to do in us to develop our friendships. The first thing you can write down the word reset. I believe God wants to reset what true friendship looks like. As I said, if we counter something counterfeit for too long, that becomes what we are normal, what what our normal is. There's a reason Elijah has shared this before. There's a reason tellers at the bank are consistently given real money. Because then when something counterfeit comes through, it's wait, 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 that's not right. Something's wrong with that. There's a reason in our creative agency, we constantly show good work so that they know, hold on, this is all good. Something's wrong here. Something happened. There's a reason we encounter that. And so I believe that to begin this whole reset, we have to shift the way we look at friendship. And so I'm asking today for you to put down everything the world has told you about friendship. Everything about followers and likes And I, again, I'm a huge fan of social media. I would not talk to half the people I talk to without social media. So I hope you don't hear me saying it's a social media bashing sermon. I'm grateful for what Allie does with our social media. Many of you are here because of social media. I believe that's powerful. But I believe when we stop there, we live in a counterfeit society. And when we stop there, we all of a sudden settle for, did I get enough? Or do they love me because? And listen, like I said, there are so many relationships, maybe you've encountered them before, friendships where it's like, I will love you if. I'll be your friend if, right? Or when you arrive, then I want to roll back into your life. But I don't want to walk the valleys with you. The mountaintops are way more fun. And I would pose this thought to you because I am obsessed with skiing. I love mountains. I I just like, I would always choose mountain over beach. That's just a personal thing probably because I always went to Colorado. But I would tell you this, life in the mountaintops is very expensive. 
Life in the mountaintops causes you to prepare. There's a reason when we go to Colorado, we're drinking a lot of water and we're getting ready for altitude. There's a reason houses are more expensive when you get into the mountains. Life on the mountaintop is expensive. And sometimes people just want to live there with us and don't want to walk the valleys with us. And so as we reset what friendship looks like, I ask you to say, do you have friends that are willing to walk the valleys with you? Do you have friends that you can call and say, oh my word, I screwed up. Wow, that was a terrible decision. You know, I was talking to, um, I am so grateful to get to um, work alongside of one of my best friends, Katie. And I was talking to her this week and, you know, she and I have a million conversations a week and talking through everything. But there have been multiple times that I've had to say, wow, I'm so sorry. I was so stressed and I was so overwhelmed and I have not slept and I have only had three coffees and I probably should be on five at this point. Like there have been times I've been there, but I have a friend to call and say, wow, I'm, I screwed up. That was not right of me. I am so sorry for not sitting here and taking the moment and praying with you. I am so sorry that I have not taken the moment to do this or to listen or to move past. Do you have friends that you can say, I'm sorry? Or are your friends like, ooh, hope they don't recognize? You know, like when my kids tell me they cleaned their closet and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'll come check it. They're like, oh, okay, we'll do it again. Like, do you have to hide things from your friends? Or is it something that's like, you know what? I messed up. What does that friendship look like? Do you have friends that love you in a selfless way? A way that is no gain for them. There is no gain. You know, I I respect this and honor this so much about Elijah. And this is probably one of the most incredible qualities of him as a husband, a father, a pastor, a business leader, no matter what it is. I tell him all the time, I love it that you can sit in a room with a CEO of a company and treat them the same as you would when we're walking down the street, handing out gloves and food to somebody who lost their house. That is a selfless love, a selfless love, somebody who can do nothing for you. How do you treat them? And when you can do nothing for someone else, how do they treat you? John 15 instructs us to replicate the love of Christ, to lay down our selfishness, to lay down what's in it for us, to lay down what's inconvenient for us. I'm sure you've had those moments where you're sitting at home and you're like, honestly, do I want to return this phone call? Honestly, let me just put it down. Honestly, do I have to? And please hear again, this is not a conversation against taking you time. I'm so about that. But I ask you, what do you have to lay down? What do you lay down that maybe it's an inconvenience to you, but you know that you're going to feel better when you do it. You know that you're going to build that relationship. The second thing we have to do is trust. To be willing to trust. To be willing to change our mindset. You know, I feel like in this this moment, God was really speaking to me and challenging me about taking a moment to forgive those who have hurt us. And I'm going to go into a huge sermon about forgiveness. Actually, if you... Um, feel like there are people that have hurt you, that you're harboring that, that you're holding on to that, 
You can hear a million messages about that. You can, you know, I'm sure Google anything. But Elijah preached a sermon maybe six, nine months ago. My time is totally shot. But at some point, he preached a sermon recently about the art of forgiveness. It's on our YouTube channel, podcast app. Check out that message because it was so freeing. And I would just summarize it for you in this. If you have friends who have hurt you, maybe somebody who you feel like has neglected you, who has left you, maybe you have unsaid expectations on a friendship that it feels like you've been let down. Let me encourage you with this. Number one, you have to choose today to pray and say, God, I forgive them. God, I love them. And then on the daily, Elijah talks about a situation we went through where on the daily, we had to pray and forgive them. And you know when you know you've moved past it is when you can sit and pray for their success. When you can say, I don't understand it. I can't reason with it. It's never going to make sense to me. And that person is probably never going to apologize to you for it. Can you love them. And again, I want you to hear this. I'm not saying to stay in an abusive situation. I'm not saying just keep putting yourself in there. I'm saying this is a you thing. This is in your heart. Can you say, if I see them on Instagram succeed, I can be happy about that. I can love them enough to want success for them. And I can love me enough to want success for me. I can do both. God is not a God of either or. He's a God of both and more, all through scripture. And so I would challenge you, number one, take a moment to forgive those who have hurt you. But number two, are you willing to open yourself up to trust and learn from friendships? That's hard. You know, it's hard when some of my best friends and I have to have a conversation where it's like, hey, Ash, you did this. I, I've talked before to you guys. I'm an Enneagram 8. So I can basically just steamroll my way through life, which is not great. It's not awesome, but I can naturally do it. And so there have been times where I've had to have conversations with friends who are like, Ash, what was that? Every time I talk, I feel like this or I feel like you do that or whatever. And I'm like, wow. I did not intend to do that. No, I am so sorry. I have to work on me. Are you willing to open yourself up for those conversations? Are you willing to open yourself up and say, hey, I'm going to put down all my defenses. Because can't we do that if I were to say to you, hey, Jemira, the other day when you said this, it kind of hurt me. Don't you already have 97 reasons why you said it? And you're like, well, I said it because of this. And then you did that. And then it triggered this. And that like, you've already played out the conversation. I wonder what would happen in our friendships if we said, God, I'm ready to open myself up. I'm willing to trust that inner circle of godly friendships. But I'm willing to peel back some layers. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to today be like, oh, my word, sitting at a table, I have 25 new best friends. This is perfect. I'm not asking that. And we're naturally going to connect with different people, each of us. But are you willing to peel back one layer? And then tomorrow, are you willing to say, you know what? I'm going to send that text. Maybe I feared rejection, but I'm going to peel back that layer, and I'm just going to reach out. And maybe I'm going to peel back another layer and say, hey, could we chat about this? I'm processing through something. And then maybe I'm going to peel back another layer. And by the time you peel back these layers, you get to that moment where when you have to have a heart-to-heart conversation, there's no 
brick walls. There's no locked doors. There's no layers upon layers, but you're opened up. The third thing I want to challenge us with is the word invest, to invest in godly friendships, to be faithful with the relationships you have. You know, my parents always said this, and your families may have said this to you too. The grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. And you can choose to make your grass as green as you want it, right? Now, I don't have grass. Praise God. That's why I love living in the city. I can't. But when we had a yard that we had to take care of, there was a whole to-do. Like you had to put sprinklers up and you're having to take care of this and then you have to move the sprinklers. My dad still does that. He's like, I'm going out to do yard work. I'm like, have fun. Like I don't have to do that. But isn't it crazy that when we have a yard, we can choose. We turn the, the sprinkler. We can make this patch green. We can do that. Friendships are the same way. We can choose to make our friendships what we want them to be. If you have a relationship right now, I I want to ask you, are you willing to invest in that friendship or are you waiting for that friend to invest back in you? Because I think that sometimes we sit waiting and isn't it, and and I think this is something with our society and that's probably a way deeper thing than we should get into, but I think that sometimes we want to put the burden on someone else so that it's not our failure so that it's not our rejection, so that it's not the fact that I texted and she didn't text me back so she might not love me because my mind spirals with that. Anyone else been there? So all of a sudden, I'll wait for Atira to text me. I'll wait for that because I want her to initiate it because then I'll know I feel loved. And can I just encourage us? That goes back to number one, having an encounter with God. When you are confident in the love you have, when you allow God to love you unconditionally, selflessly, and out of humility, then all of the sudden when you give and it's not reciprocated, there's no filter you're looking through. You were obedient to what God called you to do. My love is not contingent on a tear texting me back. My love is contingent on God calling me to love her. I will someday stand before God. And this is what my parents raised me because, again, my personality type, I can take it upon myself to, like, single-handedly set the world straight. And so that is something that I have worked through, and I am owning that. But my dad always said to me, Ashley, you are going to someday stand before God and answer for your actions. You're not going to answer for what they did to you. They'll answer for that. You're going to answer for what you did. And what do you want to say when you stand there? And I live with that, not out of fear, because our God is not a fear-mongering God. Our God is a loving God. He loves us. But I would ask you, if you can give after you've received from him, then you've already done your part. And now what the other person does back to you, that's not your responsibility. And that's not my responsibility. My responsibility was to be faithful with what he called me. And he called us, number one, first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what you do. Maybe it's the morning, maybe it's the night, but that's your time to sit down. If you want to know how to do that, let's chat afterwards. Turn on some worship music. There's a worship playlist. Pull your Bible out. 
I recommend starting Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how much Jesus loves you and the power of what he's capable of. Read it and start encountering his love. And then out of those moments, commandment two, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the laying down our selfishness. That's laying down our pride. That's putting all that aside is loving our neighbor like you would want the best for yourself. Do you want the best for them? And the last thing I want to challenge us with is to prioritize. Prioritize friendships and be consistent. This is something God has been dealing with me a lot with lately. And so just letting you a little bit inside of our house, um, Elijah and I talked about this the other day because I am a very scheduled person, okay? I live and die by calendar invites. If it's not in my calendar, it's not happening. I try to fill my calendar. I love to. I love to schedule everything out. I'm like, we want to do that in two weeks. Do you want to do this on Thursday at four o'clock? Like, I am all about scheduling because I feel like if I didn't schedule, it wasn't going to happen. And if I'm totally honest, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people talk about things and don't do things. I love action. I'm a very action-driven person. So I've, you know, obviously spent a lot of time with God, so I've gotten here. So that is why I am where I am. But at the same time, what God has been absolutely wrecking my world with, which is so fascinating, is the other day, maybe a few weeks ago, God just challenged me in my quiet time, Ashley, why are you a scheduler, not a prioritizer? And I was like, oh, but like I, I'm the first one to preach. Schedule, schedule your time with God. Elijah talks about that. He has his 5 a.m. in his calendar. Meet with the king. It is treated the same as a meeting he would have for the church. It's treated the same as a video shoot he would have for hell. It is a non-negotiable in his calendar. But I, I really got challenged with this because I think sometimes We can feel like a failure if our schedule isn't what we're told it's supposed to be. I don't know if you've ever felt that, but there's a lot of times as a mom, a wife, um, a business owner, a pastor, I hear from all different sectors how my life is supposed to be. Like I'm supposed to have a two-day weekend with my kids. I'm supposed to be here with them. I'm supposed to do a date night once a week. I'm supposed to do this as a pastor, as a business leader. I need to take this amount of time, and then I need to take this time off to stay fresh. And there's all these different things that I'm taught I'm supposed to do. And that's why I will preach till the day I die, rhythm, not balance. Because if we strive for balance, we'll always feel like we failed. But if we strive for rhythm, God is a God of rhythm. He worked seven days or six days and then rested. You have the tides that are a rhythm. Come in and go out. The moons are a rhythm. We have a full moon and then all the other ones. I don't know what they're called. (laughs) We have all the other moons. (laughs) Clearly science was not my thing. But anyways, we have all these different moments, right? God is a God of rhythm. But what he challenged me with was this. Do I prioritize? Because if I prioritize, then the schedule can be decided. And I think that what maybe I interpreted this as, maybe what he was trying to challenge me in, is sometimes I can get so rigid in my schedule that I feel like, yes, God, I did everything I was supposed to do. Like, I had my time with you. I had my time with the kids. Lachisi and I went out. Elijah and I had a date night. I had a girls' night for the church. I did this with my team at Helm. I did all these different things. And I feel like, okay, I did all this with my schedule. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my word. Somebody calls and is like, hey, let's go do this. I'm like, oh, that's not in my schedule. 
Like, I can't do that. That's not on my calendar, and that's actually my night to chill. So can't do that. And so all of a sudden, I miss out on opportunities that maybe God's presenting. Maybe I miss out on relationships that he wants me to have because I'm so scheduled. But at the same time, on the flip side, have you ever been in life with anyone who doesn't schedule anything? Like, that could make me like a little bit crazy because when things aren't scheduled, do they happen? And so I began to have this moment and I had this conversation with God. And I hope that your moments are like this with God. I hope that you have conversations. It's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to be like, can you explain that to me? Hold on. I'm wow, that's crazy. Like that's actually resetting my entire life. And I'm already scheduled through 2022. So like now this could get very exciting, right? And so I'm in this moment, but it was very fascinating because what God challenged me with is Ashley, you need to have your priorities in order and allow that to dictate your schedule. Become a prioritizer, not a scheduler. And so I'm not telling you to throw your schedule out the window. Please don't. Like, please keep a calendar. Please keep adding things to your calendar. Your boss will love you and your family will love you. But more than that, what are you prioritizing in this season? And so that's the reason I say we have to prioritize friendships because I get the choice to prioritize what's important in this season. You get the choice to prioritize what's important in your season. You know, I I really do, just on a personal level, have a hard time when people are like, I don't have time. We all have 24 hours, every last one of us, anywhere from a leader to a business owner to someone in government, someone in Hollywood, every one of us gets 24 hours. So it's not that you don't have time. It's that it's not prioritized in your life. And that's okay. That's okay, but own it. Own it. Because it's, it is very hard for me when people say, oh, I just don't have time. You will make time for what is your priority. In this season, my kids are staying my priorities. My husband is staying my priority. Relationship is staying my priority. But if I'm honest with you, I mean, this past week, we've worked till 3 a.m. every night. And it's been a big week. But I will tell you, do I have the time to take a full day and go sit at the park with my kids and do all that stuff? I don't. I don't. And by the world's standards, that would be a failure. But by God's standards, I'm still prioritizing my time with them. And when I choose to be a prioritizer, not a scheduler, there is a release in that. There is a grace in that. No longer do you have to hang out with four friends a week and no longer do you have to check it off your to-do list that you did this with your kids or you put this into your school or you did this to further your job. No longer does that become your checklist. And I think that probably today, I hope that there's a grace and a release for you in that because what God wants us to do is to prioritize, to prioritize. You know what? Come December, my life is going to be so chill. And I mean, like, literally all summer, we, our team, we took every Friday off. We shut down for two full weeks in July. Why? Because that was the season. I had all the time in the world to take the kids to the park and go on trips and do days at the zoo or whatever we wanted to do. I had all the time for that. But in this season, it, I'm not a failure. My time looks different, but my priorities remain the same. Right now, it's a day in bed watching football with Zion for a couple hours. Right now, it's walking down to get gelato at Dolce Cafe. That's what my time looks like. 
but I still prioritize what's important. And so I would ask you, in your seasons, whether it's a big season or it's a chill season, how do you prioritize friendships? Is it something that only happens when you have all the time in the world? Or is it something that you make time for? Hey, this week, I might not be able to do a dinner, but let's jump on a FaceTime for 30 minutes. Or let me call you and catch up because I'm still prioritizing friendships, even though my time looks different. And I believe that as we do those four things, as we reset what friendships look like and the love that we experience from God, number two, as we trust, begin to peel back layers, open up our lives to the relationships God wants us to have, as we begin to invest in godly relationships, being faithful to that second commandment that he called us, and fourth, when you prioritize When you prioritize those friendships, maybe it's a card in the mail. I mean, goodness, all we get is bills in the mail. Like send a card to a friend, send a text, do something small. As you begin to prioritize what's critical to you, watch how God's faithful. Because I believe that God always shows up. It is a principle in motion with him. We serve a faithful God. What we invest in is what we're going to reap, right? You reap what you sow. If you sow into friendships, you're going to reap friendships. If you begin to speak life into people, then God's going to bring people who are speaking life into you. Maybe it's a mentor that you need to reach out to. You know, just this week, Devin and I were at coffee, and I said, hey, what can I do for you right now? How can we grow together? And she said, maybe doing a Bible study together. Maybe we do a Bible study together. Hey, who's, when's the last time you asked somebody, what can I do for you as a friend? What does that look like for you? How can we grow together in this time? And I'll put money on the fact that we're going to grow and peel back some layers in our friendship because we chose to prioritize that. And I believe God wants to do that in us today. And so as we close, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And I just want to dismiss us in a time of prayer today. But I just want to take a moment of reflection. And I hope that you take these notes. And I hope that this week... You begin to work through this. You begin to pray through this. You allow God to speak to you. But in this moment, I just believe that God wants us to, number one, encounter his love so that we know the love that we're replicating, so that we know the love we're worthy of. If your friends weren't in the church, they weren't godly friends, maybe they weren't pouring into you. But you're worthy of that. You're worthy of a friendship that loves you unconditionally. You're worthy of a selfless friendship. And then maybe God is speaking to you right now about some layers you need to peel back. And maybe it's scary. I've been there. Man, my personality, I want to be so tough. And there's been times I've had to pull back layers and say, you know what? I can't be scared to say I'm sorry. I don't do everything right. I had to peel back layers after I had been hurt by people because I was afraid maybe the next person would walk out on me. And what would that look like? And that would be a pain that do I want to deal with it again? So instead, I'll just cover my heart and I'll just be fun and I'll be lively, but I can't let anyone close. And I believe in this moment, God just wants to begin to peel back those layers. And I do believe it's simple. I believe it's allowing him to love us. I believe it's forgiving those who have hurt us. And I believe it's opening ourselves up 
I know the actual act isn't easy, but I also know that it's something that's attainable. It's something that God's called us for. And you know, in 1 Peter, he talks about loving each other because love covers a multitude of sins. It's not covering a multitude of sins as in you just do whatever you want, I do whatever I want, and then whatever. It's a love for each other that has a grace, a grace that you might mess up and I might mess up. You might call me and I might forget to call back, or I might invite you to something and you might prioritize something else. We're humans. We're humans and we're going to make mistakes. That's why we can't love the exact way Christ did. He did the ultimate sacrifice. He's not asking you to do that. He's asking you to model his love. And so as I pray, if that's you and you'd say, hey, I just want to open myself up for friendship. Maybe you're at home and you're going to call somebody or send a text or a letter to somebody. Maybe you're here and you're going to sit around the table and you say, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to connect with somebody. I'm just going to ask what's going on in their life. I'm going to find out their story and I'm going to be willing to find a connection point. I'm going to, I'm going to peel back that layer today. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just raise your hands just as an act of surrender to God? It's not for me. My eyes are closed too. It's just for you to surrender to God and just to say, God, right now I'm putting my friendships and my relationships in your hands. I'm going to go outside the box. I'm going to shift the way I look at things. I'm going to change the perspective and filter through which I look at friendships. First, my friendship with you, God, and my friendship with others. Let me pray over us today. God, we just thank you for this time. God, I thank you for this pivotal moment in time as you've shifted our thoughts on friendship, shifted our thoughts on relationships. As you've began to break down barriers and walls, you're going to make connections that and God, first and foremost, we just pray that you would love us today. God, I pray that you would speak over every person in this space and online. God, that you would just comfort them. God, they are worthy. They are given the talents that you've given them for such a time as this. The reason they love the way they do, the reason they care about school the way they do, the reason they pursue their job like they do, the reason they crave relationship and a family like they do. God, you've put that in us. And so I right now just pray that you would love us like and And God, I just pray that you would break down barriers and walls in place as we walk out of this space, as we have brunch. God, I just pray that you would allow us to connect on a deeper level. God, it may just be right now us beginning to reset that friendship crisis. But God, we're choosing as for us and our house, we'll serve you. We will love like you love. We'll pursue like you pursue. And so God, right now, I just pray that you would peel back those barriers, everything that's holding us back. And God, I pray in closing that you would bless every individual with godly relationships, mentors that are going to speak into them, friends that are going to love them, challenge them, encourage them. God, I just pray that you would bring those friends along and make us ready to see when they're here. 
God, we thank you for the friendships we have. God, I treasure my friendships, those deep friendships you've given me through thick and thin, valley and mountaintop. God, I pray you would bless every one of those friendships today. We love you, God, and we trust you. In your name we pray. Amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.